welcome back. Episode 14. Today we're going to be talking about captain's mast. So why captain's mast? Well, uh, what I want to talk about is what it is and kind of pull the curtain back a little bit on the proceedings and leading up to it and then the effects afterwards. And one of the reasons I picked this topic was because I had some experiences with it this week and I was having a tough time picking a topic. And it seemed like something that it was kind of staggering to me how little sailors know about it. Uh, so something I wanted to talk about and just get it at least the dialogue going and get the gears turning in people's minds. It's a big topic, but it's something I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole too much of the nitty gritty of it. But we'll just talk about it generally and some of the experiences I've had with it and kind of try to frame it for a junior sailor to understand it better. Uh, so first, uh, I want to plug the D-Guts segment, Ask D-Guts. So if you need, have any questions or you need anything from us or you just want to give us some feedback, hit us up on Facebook Messenger or send us an email at don'tgiveuptheshippodcast at gmail.com. Uh, any questions at all, any feedback, whatever you got, just shoot it our way. So now I'm going to get to the history segment, which is just going to be a little bit of history about Captain's Mass and kind of where it came from and how it got its name. So the captain's mast is a disciplinary event hailing from the age of sail, where a ship's captain and other officers publicly shame and sentence sailors who have broken some rule in a manner severe enough to warrant public discipline, but not enough to require a full legal proceeding. Naval non-judicial punishment, as in any organization dependent on members' obedience to certain rules and other governing principles, maritime agencies, and the navies of the world, generally have a partially informal process of enforcing discipline among the ranks that does not resort to official legal channels. United States Navy is no different. It goes by several names depending on the service branch. In the Army, it's an Article 15 process, which covers non-judicial punishment, meted out by officers and senior enlisted soldiers. And the Navy's equivalent is Captain's Mast. Captain's Mast is a disciplinary process initiated and carried out by the military chain of command without resorting to criminal proceedings involving the JAG Corps or other official legal channels. It's used for infractions of discipline and law that are relatively minor, being late for duty or formation, appearing in deficient uniform, not promptly following the orders of a superior. A few incidents like these warrant the time and effort that goes into a full court-martial, and there's a strong incentive on the part of the officers and senior enlisted personnel in a particular command to take care of the discipline in-house. Traditionally, the proceedings take the forms of public meeting held at the focal point of the ship, and all sailors not on duty are expected to be present. What follows is effectively a ritual and shaming of offending sailors accompanied by a final determination as to the disciplinary measures to be taken, often involving extra rather unpleasant duty and a temporary loss of rank. It can be harsh, but is generally preferred by all parties to a court-martial proceeding, which can levy harsher sentences. History of the Captain's Mast. So why the colorful name as opposed to something dry like the U.S. Army's Article 15, which generally has the same function and simply refers to the UCMJ section that authorizes military non-judicial punishments? The answer, according to Navy sources, goes back to days of sailing ships where the United States Navy derives many of its traditions. Before steam engines became standard in the 19th century, the most efficient means of moving a ship across the sea was to harness the power of the wind by means of attaching a canvas sail to a wooden pole known as a mast. Larger ships would have several masts, and the number of masts as well as their configuration and the shapes of their many sails came to define the various types of sailing ships, from the clipper to the man-of-war. Sailors' lives depended on the function of these masts and sails, and much of the maintenance work needed to keep the ships up in working order involved these essential components of the period vessels. It is no surprise that they then came as a, to be a focal point of naval culture and a convenient meeting place for the crew when one was needed. Under the mainmast, ceremonies for the crew, the captain's mast appears to have come about as a result of the need to maintain discipline and to address the majority of the crew at once. 
Meetings of this nature were held under the mainmast, and eventually any crew meeting came to be known as a mast. The mast eventually began to be named according to the officiating officer's rank, and so there are admiral's mast, chaplain's mast, etc. Captain's version was traditionally held prior to religious services and served as both a disciplinary event in front of the entire crew and as a forum where exemplary behavior could be praised or official news shared with the crew. Once it became so common to be held as a tradition, even as vessels switched from sail to steam power, the event was still held in a convenient meeting area and given the same name, which was Captain's Mast. All right, so what I want to talk about, we talk about Captain's Mast and we make all these cool euphemisms like standing on the carpet, going to see the old man or the old lady, uh, laying the, that laying down the green tablecloth, all these euphemisms for what we're going to talk about today, which is going to be non-judicial punishment or Captain's Mast, are things that we say about something that we view as negative and we're going to get into some of the details okay but what i want is for junior sailors to understand the process what exactly they're getting themselves into by making poor choices and the negative and positive effects of captain's mask because there is positive effects sometimes it's not negative choices that get us on get us in front of the captain and i'm going to explain that but like i was saying before i was really struggling this week to choose a topic and then fate kind of intervened because for the last two weeks, uh, this was the second consecutive week I spent the majority of my time on mass proceedings, doing all the paperwork and prepping and interviews and taking statements for some young wayward sailors. It struck me how little we and they know about the proceedings uh, that can have such a huge and profound impact on our careers and the careers of our charges. This can leave a big mark on their careers in a good or bad way, and we're going to talk about that. And I know that's probably confusing some people, but we'll get there. But what I want to start with, like I always do with topics like this, is the reference. And there is a reference for Captain Smash, believe it or not. Uh, and it's the Manual for Court Martials. Uh, the current edition is the 2012 edition. And this governing reference, and, and like I say reference, and this one really should be treated as just that, a reference. Uh, the manual is extremely large, so don't try to read this thing cover to cover. It's not something that you're going to be able to tackle at once, and even if you did, you probably wouldn't understand half of it without a lawyer sitting next to you anyway. The points of interest should be part five, which deals specifically with non-judicial punishment, or NJP, which is captain's mass. Uh, this section contains general information, who may impose non-judicial punishment, right to demand trial by court-martial, procedures for non-judicial punishment, authorized punishments, uh, suspension, mitigation, remission, and setting aside of these punishments, appeals of the punishments, which is something a lot, a lot of people know about, but it is part of the script for mass, is that you can't appeal the punishments to the next flag officer in the chain of command, and then just records kept for, for non-judicial punishment in general. That's the section you're going to want to focus on when reading through this reference and, and kind of looking stuff up. Uh, it also has the entire UCMJ in it as well. So if you ever need to look up an article or you're just curious, uh, you can look up those and the specifications. So the next thing I want to talk about is legal counsel. I will absolutely positively not give legal advice on this podcast through email, message, or whatever. Why not? Well, because I'm not an expert, all right? I, I've read a little bit, but I have no idea what I'm talking about at the end of the day when it comes to legal advice, okay? I can't do it, won't do it. All I do is read a book. I've been a preliminary investigative officer, a PIO on numerous occasions, and I've executed the paperwork uh, to charge sailors a bunch of times, but that's it. That's all I've done. Uh, that does not make me an expert on legal anything, okay? So if you have questions about any of this stuff, especially if you're in the midst of the process or you plan to appeal... Uh, an award from Captain's Mass, which you have to do within five days of being awarded the punishment, talk to your legal officer. OK, 
Okay, don't reach out to me on this one because all I'm going to say is talk to your legal officer. Go talk to your LNs and and the legal officers on your ship and a lawyer if you need it. But that's where you're going to get that advice from. I do not have that level of knowledge and I will not attempt to give you that kind of advice. Uh, And then kind of going hand in hand and in lockstep with that, neither are you. Okay, you are not an expert. Just because I pointed at this book and said, hey, read part five, you're not an expert. You just trust the lawyers talk to them and trust the process and trust the experts. Even if you have a photographic memory and you read the entire manual for court martials, like don't try to see lawyer your way out of something. Like it'll most likely just make everything worse. So be informed and ask questions of the experts, of the legal people, ask these legal questions. And if you're not satisfied, ask a lawyer, but still like stick with the experts. Don't try to lawyer or see lawyer your way out of this stuff. All right. Uh, You are not an expert. I am not an expert. Just accept that. Okay. So now let's talk about uh, when's the time for NJP? Like when is it appropriate? When do we get to that point? First, I want to talk about the different types of captain's mask. So I can kind of tell you about those and then we'll get into uh, what gets us there. So the lesser known type, we kind of mentioned it in the history uh, section and you see it very infrequently today is meritorious mask. Uh, This is essentially something done at the discretion of the commanding officer, and in my experience, it doesn't happen enough. And this is a venue for the CO to publicly commend and reinforce positive behavior. And sometimes an actual award can be associated with this, but sometimes it's simply appropriate for the captain to tell a, a, a junior sailor, Bravo Zulu, and that's all it takes, just a pat on the back. And that means a lot to junior sailors. It really does, especially coming from that source. A young man I served with on my last submarine, He had the fortitude to stand by his shipmate who was blackout drunk, like so drunk he decided it would be a bright idea to take a swing on some Marine Security Forces folks, like sober Marine Security Forces folks. And so you can imagine how that ended. But the whole way he stood by his shipmate, took care of him, and notified the chain of command exactly like we wanted him to do. And this was an instance where someone had actually followed through on all these things that we so often preach for our junior sailors. So the commanding officer took him to meritorious mass, and I can tell you that that left an impression on him. That left a lasting and profound impression on this junior sailor. And that young sailor is now a commissioned officer running a division on board a ship. All right, He went from a junior, very junior sailor at the time, he was an E3, to now a commissioned officer that's doing amazing things, and he got selected for that through OCS, and he's on a surface ship running a division now. And uh, I have no doubt in my mind that that meritorious mass had something to do with that. I really think that positive reinforcement, not just from the meritorious mass, but then from the Chiefs Corps and everyone else kind of patting him on the back. And uh, and the kid that went to mast for the negative stuff, for the taking a swing out of Marine Security Force folks, uh, rebounded as well. Great kid, but he thanked him as well. So it, it went a long way. Uh, on the flip side of that, there's the line in the sand that we draw on certain things. So this is the negative side of mass where you're being held accountable. The negative side for the sailor that's going through the process anyway Captain's Mass is where we hold the line on good or discipline, which I'm going to get more into later. But as you progress through your naval career, you'll kind of find out where the line is on those things, like where that line in the sand is. For me, it's egregious violations of the UCMJ or a documented pattern of misconduct. Okay, so what merits it? So what I mean by egregious is something that could be called a violation, like five minutes late to work, which would be absent without leave. But when I say egregious, I mean either A you're like three hours late without calling me, or B, you were late half a dozen times, some of those coming after I verbally counseled you, and then I formally counseled you on paper, and then I signed you extra military instruction or EMI, and then you signed an LOI and failed at all of those stops. 
That's what we call a documented pattern of misconduct. Uh, and that will lead to me putting someone on report for the aforementioned absolute without leave piece. So that's where I'm going with that, uh, is that not going to jump right to UCMJ if your alarm clock didn't go off, right? So it doesn't make sense to go right to NJP. For me personally, this is not for everyone, okay? If it fits the bill and they decide to write you up for it, they can. What I'm saying is for me, when I'm initiating this, when I'm the accuser on that paperwork, uh, this is kind of my metric. Um, and that's even when I have control over it, right? Because sometimes these things are dropped in my lap and they're like, hey, senior chief, make this happen. Okay. Uh, so I've had many students reach back and, and ask why. And they cry foul a lot of the times with NJP. And, and maybe they're right. Uh, in those scenarios, I was only getting half the story. I'm not on their ship or their unit, so I can't speak for the chain of command there. I have no idea what really happened because I wasn't there. Um, but a friend of mine was investigated on a completely groundless and made-up accusation by a bitter subordinate. And her confidence took a hit. And I was there. I was, we were at the same command. I was her supervisor at the time. So I, I know everything that went on. Uh, and the whole time I kept telling her, like, it's okay. There's nothing to find. Investigations are actually a good thing. Right? And you're, and you're probably looking at the, at the speaker like, whoa, what the, what did you just say? Like, how could that be? You know, like, they, they are. Because what if it happened to you is my go-to counter. Like, seriously. What if you were sexually assaulted or harassed? What if someone stole from you? Uh, if something bad happened to me, I would like for there to be some kind of recourse for myself. So if I feel so strongly about whatever it happened to be, uh, that I bring it up to my chain of command, I would at least like to think that they would investigate it. And all it is is a fact finding. They find facts. Facts are facts. Like either you did it or you didn't. And I'm fully aware some folks get this wrong. Okay, go all the way back to the good leaders and bad leaders conversation we had before. Which hunts happen? I get it. But far more often than not, those things are perceived and the negative connotations associated with an investigation are misrepresented like the story I just told about my friend, right? The only time the process is negative is if you did it. And I, and I know it can seem negative as you're going through it if you're the accused, but understanding that on the other end of that, it's essentially a demonstration of a command that has solid good order and discipline if they're doing that and it's not a witch hunt, okay? We're always assuming that it's on the up and up because it, by and large, it's going to be. It's a good thing. It's a good thing that they're taking it seriously. It's a good thing that they're investigating it. You be truthful. You let the process happen. And that's it. It's over. So let's now I want to talk about the impact of non-judicial punishment. Okay, so now let's assume you screwed up. We'll talk about the impact on career first. So now let's assume you got caught doing something you shouldn't have. And like we're talking small time here. You find yourself on the carpet and punishment is awarded, right? So what now? Like should you pack it up and go home? Well, sometimes you don't have a choice, right? So that's something that's a conversation we have at DRB with our students is they're so early in their career that sometimes the captain might decide that, you know, we haven't invested enough in you and you made such an egregious uh, offense that it's time to send you home. But again, we're talking small time crime here. All right. So realistically, captain's mass essentially sticks around for one eval cycle when you're not up for a board and five years when you are. And let me explain the disparity here. Well, what I mean is, so for E4 through E6 advancement, you only take a hit on your eval for the cycle in which the NJP happens, okay, officially. Commands may be different, but generally, if you rebound well, they won't hold it against you. So it'll you'll take the hit on that one eval, and then if you rebound hard and you come back strong, next time around, it's clean slate time, right? And it'll reflect on your eval. So here's the rub. If you are up for chief, it's a harder sell to the board. The board will look back five years in your evals. They do that for everybody. Does that mean you can't get promoted with an NJP in one of those evals? Absolutely not. I've seen it happen. However, it's much more difficult. 
and you need to aggressively rebound from that indiscretion that's on that eval. So one of the most common comparisons you'll hear in this kind of scenario is that if you had an alcohol-related incident and it was recorded on an eval, you rebound by becoming the Drug and Alcohol Prevention Advisor, or the DAPA, uh, and running like a Safe Ride Home program. See what I mean there? How the pendulum swings all the way back to the other side? You got to rebound hard and you have to demonstrate it on more than one eval that how you rebounded and what you kind of did to get past that discretion and show the board that you've understood that you made a mistake and you've recovered from it. And it's tough. So you got to put a lot of work in in that regard because. Like we always say in those frocking letters with this increased rank becomes increased responsibility, right? So it's going to be harder and it should be harder for you to rebound from that kind of a discussion when you're in the senior ranks. So now let's talk about confidence, the effect of an NJP on confidence. So a sailor will take a significant hit in confidence when they go to captain's mass. Like that's a fact of life and it makes sense, right? So this is where good leadership comes in. And this is something that I think we get wrong a lot. So first, the second they walk out of the door, second they come out of that wardroom or wherever they do uh, COs and JP on your ship, you should consider the slate clean, right? And and yeah, they have to fulfill their punishment awarded. I got it. They might be on restriction or ha- have extra duty or whatever, but don't keep punishing them. Like they got it. They went in there and they had their whole world shook because they made a mistake. So they get back to work and they show you that was it was just a bump in the road. But more importantly, like you show them the same thing. You have to show them that they're still part of the team and that you understand it was just a bump in the road and that you are giving them the opportunity to demonstrate to you that it will never happen again. Not that they got to like claw and scratch their way back in your good graces because that's you continuing to punish them for something they've already been punished for. And that's not fair. And you're going to lose them. And that's how we have the recurring uh, deficiencies where they end up back at CSN JP because they don't feel wanted and they don't feel like an integral part of the team, right? This is the part that I feel is far too often screwed up, right? They need to know that you haven't written them off and you shouldn't, okay? For the process to work the way it's designed, you need to bring them back into the fold and rebuild their confidence. They're not going to just magically do this because you think they need to earn their way back, okay? So, so don't put them in that position. Last thing I want to talk about is good order and discipline. So the effect that this will have on good order and discipline. This is where perspective comes in, and this is something we've talked about before in relation to other topics, but junior sailors like to take the position that they're being wronged by the system or that the punishment's unfair. And there's a piece where we hold you accountable for your infraction. There's a piece where this is just about you. It is. And the perspective piece is that people know you were held accountable, right? So this is a two-way street. So sometimes it's extremely important that everyone knows that if they go down the path you went, depending on what your infraction was, that they'll get wrecked just the same way you were, that they'll get an anvil dropped on their head by the CO, okay? Sometimes, conversely, a punishment may seem like it was too soft on the person, and you're sitting there on the other side of it like, well, that's crap, you know, they should have got the book thrown at them. Were you there? Like, do you know all the facts? Then let us worry about that, all right? Trust the process. Most of the time, you have no idea what actually happened, and if you ever find yourself in a position, you'll be happy that we deal with situations on a case-by-case basis instead of just doling out unjust punishment to please the masses, all right? There's times where to affect and and maintain good order and discipline, it's important for everyone to know. And that's why you see those little plan of the day notes where it says an E3 was taken to SEALs and JP for this reason, right? It's to let everybody know that a process happened, an investigation happened, all the facts were gathered, and they were held accountable, and they were awarded a punishment. Whether or not the version of the story you got while you were all huddled around the smoke pad is the version that actually happened, the version that was delivered to the commanding officer by the PIO and by the investigation, 
it doesn't matter. It's not yours to worry about. That's not, you weren't there. You don't know all the facts. So it doesn't matter if you agree with the punishment, know that a process happened, trust that that process was thorough, that all the pertinent facts and evidence got delivered to the commanding officer and he made an informed decision and that the punishment probably was fair because you weren't there, you don't know what happened and you're not going to, but you're going to know and we're going to make sure that you know that it got investigated, it got dealt with and they got awarded a punishment. And it's important that everyone knows that so that we can maintain good order and discipline. So I hope that makes sense. It's kind of like a seesaw. Some of it we want you to know so that you understand good order and discipline exists and that we're taking care of it. But some of it you might not need to know, and that's okay. So it's conclusion time. So what did we talk about today? We talked about the history uh, behind Captain's Mass, and we also went in a little bit of the policy and talked about the reference for Captain's Mass. So just like we always talk about with every topic, be informed, all right? But just remember... We're not experts on this one, kids, all right? We're not experts just because we read the book. Uh, I, I, I'm an expert on enlisted evaluations and some other stuff, but I am not an expert on this legal stuff. And just because you read the book, neither are you. So remember that. Talk to the lawyers and the legal people. So we also talked about when it's time for cabinet Smash, like what merits uh, a CO's NJP, what it means on different levels, and then why. So like the effects that it has. So like what does it mean and, and why do we do it? And then the impact of NJP on a sailor's career, on their individual career, on their individual confidence, and how we kind of go about uh, making that a two-way street to get that sailor back on the right track. And then good order and discipline at the command level. Like, well, how does NJP have an impact on good order and discipline, right? It's a tool to maintain it. Uh, and it's important that you understand that when you're looking at it from the outside looking in. That's the perspective piece that we always, always talk about. So like I talked about at the beginning, the whole reason I want to do this topic is because it's important to me that junior sailors understand this process, CO's NJP and captain's mass, and like what exactly they're getting themselves into if they decide to make poor choices and... Uh, the negative situation they're going to find themselves in. And then we also talked about the positive effects. Okay, We talked about that COs and JP isn't just a negative thing. It can be meritorious mass can be a positive way to reinforce that thing. So captain's mast is a dodgy subject. That's kind of why I want to talk about it, right? It's it's one of those sort of controversial ones. Some of you guys have been in this situation and, and it can either be the button that sets them off or it can be the story that they tell as a leadership lesson. So this can be and should be a learning experience if you've been there and you've gone through it. Uh, for me, I, I'm honest. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like I've never been on the receiving end. I've only been in there as a supervisor. But what I've seen is that no matter what, there's a lesson to be learned here. And I, I get one from every single one I stand in as a supervisor. And I feel like oftentimes it's missed because it's not framed correctly by leadership after the fact. And that's what we talked about with that kind of recovering the confidence is that we're so we're a product of our experience. I, I say that all the time. And an example I'll give it, and I'm not even going to talk about our captain's mess. This is a story I just wanted to share. So like, there's a first class petty officer in the fleet right now that will probably put on chief this year, um, because instead of dropping a report shit on their head, I chose mercy. I chose to threaten them with the reality of the choices they were making, and then used it as a way to kind of mentor them through this process. And I saw something in them and decided that destroying their career was not the right choice. And that's exactly what would have happened had I wrote that paperwork. And I didn't take it lightly. My first reaction was to, to burn them to the ground. I sought impartial guidance from a mentor of mine, somebody that was senior to me, and, and I slept on it because that's what they told me to do after they kind of gave me their guidance because I was fired up. Uh, so I went home, slept on it, I came back in the next day and I made my decision. And, and I haven't lost a wink of sleep since. 
uh, I made that choice. And, and I make this point, not because Cabin's Mass isn't sometimes the answer, because it is. And both my mercy and the experience of standing in front of the captain should both give birth to stories, leadership stories that you pass on to the next group of sailors so they avoid the minds that, that you and I stepped on and so that they're better than you. Because that's always the goal is that they're better than us. To create a generation of sailors that are better than us because they're relieving us. Like That's the goal. That's what we do this for. That's what I do this for. Um, because I know this thing's not going to be in my hands in, in, you know, five to seven years. I'm done, you know. I say that. I'm probably going to be around forever, but, <laughs> but I'm being an old fossil. But uh, I, I just want it to be understood that it, there's always stories and experiences to be taken from all of these things. And there are stories and experiences that you should be sharing with the next generation, especially for those of you that went through it. Some of the best stories I've heard are from the misadventures like those are the ones that i tell but i haven't had this kind of an experience so for those of you that have frame that as a as a story even at the junior levels right junior level leadership like if you're a third or a second class that has overcome a captain's mass or even a seaman that's in some kind of supervisor position or just is an experienced member of the division share that share that with the sailors that are coming into your division now so that they don't go down that path so that they don't you know make the mistake that you did not that that makes you a bad person or a bad sailor or anything of that effect because it doesn't and anybody that's still telling you that after the captain's mass like we talked about earlier is wrong right so share that story so that they don't end up in the same boat you were in right we should be learning from these we should be learning from these things and that's a good thing uh, so share those stories so that everybody can learn from them uh, that's all I got for today. Uh, again, if you guys have questions about anything at all, or you got feedback for us, or you think I'm crazy, just uh, get a hold of us on the Facebook Messenger, or send us an email at don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we always love hearing from you guys. I got a couple of uh, a couple of feedbacks and requests for topics that I'll get into uh, soon. Um, but if you guys got questions about anything that you want me to address on a podcast, I'd be happy to do so. Uh, and you can always just hit us up with questions or if you need any guidance on anything at all, we'll hit you back uh, relatively quickly and get you those answers. So with that, that's all I've got for episode 14. So thank you guys so much for listening. Keep doing what you're doing out there, turning and burning, keeping these ships at sea at the tip of the spear. Uh, thanks for listening and don't give up the ship.